You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? It's a good morning, beautiful morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Josh. My wife Katie and I are the lead pastors here at Banner Church. And uh, man, it was a great week. Uh, we had loved the block this Thursday. It was a blast. We have been, just been enjoying uh, even the heat. Like God still moves even though it's hot. Um, and getting into the summer, like yeah, surprise, God still moves. But uh, good week. Uh, this Sunday even, this is actually uh, the second to last leadership lunch we're going to do after service today. So uh, uh, if you've been coming or maybe you've never heard about it, we do a thing called Leadership Lunch. And really what that is, is we're big fans of discipleship. And we said, man, we, we want people to not only lead others well, but to first and foremost be led by God well, right? Because in order to lead others, lead your family, lead your community, we want to be led by the Lord well. We're not trying to like work our way into heaven. We're responding to him in this relationship. And so we've taught all kinds of things, whether that's developing personal core values or how our physical, intellectual, emotional, social, spiritual, spiritual health works together. We talked, we taught about biblical interpretation, especially because, you know, all of us have the command of God on our life to make disciples. If you're a believer today, you have that call of God on your life, uh, but often we feel uh, ill-equipped to do that. And so at Leadership Lunch, we like to give the tools and, and equip in ways so that you feel empowered not only to be led by the Lord, but to lead others. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how we uh, self-evaluate and examine our day with the Holy Spirit. We're going to go through a process called the examine process, and I think it's going to be really fun. We have some awesome tacos coming. So if you haven't signed up for it and you want to come, you can literally just go on your phone right now to the Church Center app. Uh, if you don't have the Church Center app, you can download it because your phone probably has the internet. And uh, go ahead and sign up there. You select Banner Church and uh, all the different options there. But you can sign up and you can come if not, you can come tell me after service, and I'll tell you to sign up and to download the Church Center app. Um, uh, but we'd love to have you there for that. It's going to be good. But today, I want to continue our series on giving, and we're doing a series called Money God's Way. And I was joking, and a couple people have talked about this. Uh, we, we went from a series on sex to a series on money because, you know, who needs a breath? Let's just, you know, let's, let's go through it. But I think it's really an enriching series because it's about the heart. It's a heart series. Uh, it's about um, really how God wants to bless and bless lives. And so last week we talked about the principle of tithe and the principle of the 10%. And something that I, I said last week over and over that I constantly want to reiterate is that there is no condemnation in Christ, right? This is not a series about condemnation, but sometimes there is challenging. Some, there's no condemnation, but there is a challenge, and there is a stirring sometimes that occurs. And so if you're feeling condemned, that's usually the enemy trying to attack your identity. But if you're feeling challenged, even convicted, sometimes that's healthy. Like God's trying to teach something, do something in my life. And so if you're feeling condemned, reject that. But if you're feeling challenged, I just want to encourage you today, press into that. Don't run away from that, because in that space of questioning and challenge, there's a lot of blessing. There's a lot of opportunity. And so we talked about how uh, this series is not about condemnation. It's not about legalism. It's about, does anyone remember? It's about what? It's about the heart. It's about the heart. This whole series is about the heart. And I, th I think, honestly, that this principle is an important principle I learned in my life. And I believe it's a principle that will enrich our lives. And I think this is probably one of the most important weeks. So if you're here this week, good job. If you're joining us online, good job. If you're joining us next week online because it's on YouTube, and good job for coming back to it. 
right? Uh, if it's three months from now, good job. Let us know how the future is. <laughs> we want to know. Is it going well? I think it will. <laughs> uh, but I want to teach you a principle today called the principle of firsts. The principle of firsts. If you're writing notes, I encourage you, write some notes. Maybe on your phone, maybe on a piece of paper we provided in the, in the seat pocket. Maybe online you can write notes. Uh, Short-term memory can only remember seven things. So if you're trying to remember someone's name, what you're doing for lunch, well, that's two things right there. So you only got five left. But if you write them down, it helps. So, uh, but the principle of first, why is this the most important? I said, this is the most important week. Why is it the most important? Well, because if God is first, then everything else comes into order. Hear me. Why is it so important? It's because if God is first, everything else will come into order. Life will always have struggles, trials, tribulations, right? We live in a broken world. We live in a world where people constantly choose rebellion uh, against God. They constantly choose anger, frustration, hate, versus peace, joy, love, goodness, kindness, right? We live in a broken world. And so we know there's going to be trials, struggles, tribulations. We know those things. And in fact, Jesus actually tells us, right, in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trials. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the question is not if we will face difficulty in this life. Because if you've been alive for like four and a half seconds, you know there's going to be difficulty in life. The question is not, will we face difficulty? The question is this. Would you rather go through troubles with everything in order or with everything out of order? See, if God is first, there's order. If God is not first, there is not order. So in order for there to be order, God has to be first. This is why this is a heart series, not a legalism series, right? Not just a money series. This is a heart series because this principle is about your heart because at the end of the day, you know what God desires? He desires your heart. He desires relationship with you. So the principle of the first is not meant to enslave us to legalism. It's meant to enrich our life with the Lord. It's about alignment. Remember I talked about principles the other day and coming under the covering, the shield of the principles of God. Some people, you might even be in here today thinking, man, I don't know why. You might ask these questions in your life. I don't know why my relationships just seem so out of alignment. Maybe why my emotions seem so out of alignment. Maybe why my work seems so out of alignment. And the starting place to answering those questions is, is your heart in alignment? See, in order to have alignment, to have order in your life, God has to be first. And it comes from this principle that runs all throughout Scripture called the principle of first. And so I want to look at that today. We're going to jump into the book of Exodus to start, and then we're going to continue. But before we do, let's pray together, yeah? Okay, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is good. Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are here with us today. And so we pray that our hearts will be softened and open to what you want to speak. God, I pray as you, as you stir, as you challenge, that we would be moved to respond to your love, not feeling like we have to earn it. That these principles you have given are meant to bless our life, not to earn salvation. And that we would respond to your love today and see our lives be blessed with a deeper intimacy with you. In your name, amen. Ooh. 
my allergies are going today, guys. Moved a bunch of mulch yesterday. It is, it is real. Um, I want to jump into Exodus 13 together. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and jump there. If not, the words will be on the screen. And give you a little context here. Israel has come out of slavery, and now they're free, and so God is teaching them principles of freedom. Why does that matter? Well, because when you're a slave for 400 years, that mindset and that space uh, has dominated generations of people, and now they're free, and God's like, here's how you live in alignment with me, in relationship with me, because remember, that's what he wants. He wants relationship with his people. And so he begins to teach them principles. And here is the principle of the first. Now, at the beginning, this is going to mention a lot of, like, lambs and donkeys and death. But don't worry. I will explain why. Unless you have recently killed a donkey, in which case we should probably talk anyways. Uh, <laughs> really pray that out of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, let, let me explain a little bit, and, and we'll go from there. So let's read together Exodus 13, verse 1. It says this. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, is mine. God says, Whatever's the first, whatever's the firstborn, is mine meaning it belongs to me. The language here conveys ownership. It's not like uh, my son who thinks everything is his, right? I don't know who taught my son the word mine, but I blame you for so much. Uh, <laughs> because he thinks everything that he sees with his eyes is mine. But we all know that he owns nothing. He has no property. He doesn't have a bank account, right? I don't know. He, he has like a college fund, maybe. I don't remember. Um... <laughs> But it's always like, mine, mine, mine. In fact, when he asks for something, we're trying to get him to say, please. But he says, mine have, which is a weird way to ask for something while also saying it's yours. So that's not what God is doing. He's not like trying to like put, stake his claim on things. Like, I'm going to put my name on it so I know it's yours, right? He, he is very clearly stating, I have ownership of this. It belongs to me. And so Moses is going to give some instructions here on how they're celebrating a feast. But we're going to skip down from verse 1 and 2 to verse 11 real quick. So go with me to verse 11. It says, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. So shall be the Lord's. That's same, same as verse 1. Shall be the Lord's. Same language. Then he says in verse 13, Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of a man among your sons you shall redeem, or you shall also redeem. So that's what he says. He says, if you have a donkey... This is your options. You can redeem it, or you can break its neck. You're like, that is aggressive. Yeah, paints a very clear picture, right? <laughs> it means you're not going to keep it no matter what, right? You're not going to keep it. You're either going to redeem it, right? It's going to cost something. If you redeem it, you can keep it, or you're going to break its neck, but you got to give it. There, there's this understanding here that either way, it doesn't belong to you. Either way, it is going to be redeemed, or you're going to have to sacrifice something else to redeem it. Now, if you've been in church for a while, your brain's jumping ahead here uh, into the New Testament, but just stay with me here, and we will get there, but you might know. And it, it is good. There's a cool biblical principle that goes all the way through Scripture, because as it turns out, uh, it was ordered by God. 
And so there's a great biblical principle here. Hey, if you're on my team, I see someone random walking back by this window. Can you go take care of that? Thanks, Alec. Thanks, guys. Y'all don't want to play around here with our security team. <laughs> don't need that. Um, <laughs> we're going to get back on target. I'm so distracted. I have, like, a very shepherding mindset. So uh, when I, these windows to me are so dangerous. If you're online, you don't know. But, like, people walk by all service, and it takes all of my mental energy to not stare at what they're doing because often they stop and just watch us. And, like, I don't know what's going on. It's so weird. Anyways, um, but there's a principle here, so let's define it. Since I'm totally distracted, let's jump back into it. Uh, there's a principle here, so let me explain the principle a little bit. The, the first thing that the principle says is that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. This is the principle that God is presenting. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. It's a principle all throughout Scripture, not just for then, it's for now. And the principle is that you've got to bring in this set-apart first portion— so how do you know if it's supposed to be sacrificed or if it's supposed to be redeemed? Well, he gives us, God gives us these like two animals as these symbolic representations. If you were teaching an agrarian society or shepherds, you're trying to teach them a principle, a, a, a God principle, and you have to use examples they know. You would use the, the examples that they live daily. daily. And so they use the example that come from the law of a donkey and of a lamb. So the donkey is an unclean animal according to the law. According to the law, according to the law they've been given, a donkey is considered an unclean animal. And so by its nature, it represents unclean people. It's the unclean. The lamb, the perfect lamb, is a clean animal, and it represents the clean. It represents the perfect, the pure and so what he's saying is when a clean animal gives birth, that firstborn, that perfect lamb, is sacrificed. When an unclean animal gives birth, there's options. You must either redeem it by sacrificing the lamb, or it dies. Okay, everyone still with me? I know we're like into some weird Old Testament stuff, but, but roll with me. Don't worry. The principle is, when an unclean animal gives birth, you must redeem it by the sacrifice of the clean animal. The clean lamb redeems the unclean donkey. And you can extrapolate that word however you want. So how does this relate to us? We're like, I'm not Jewish. Maybe you are Jewish, but you're like, I'm not Old Testament Jewish. I have not killed a donkey recently. I've not even seen a donkey give birth. That doesn't even sound fun to me at all, right? I'm not a rancher. What does this have to do with tithing and giving? Uh, I don't do animal sacrifices. I didn't bring any doves with me that we could split and declare the promises of the Lord, right? Like, what, what is this? Okay, so let me, ask, let me ask some questions, and this is the best way that I have heard this relate, and it's all related to you, which is the question of, were you and I born spiritually clean or unclean? Unclean. Our natural state, our natural state before God was and is unclean. In the sense that, let me ask it this way, uh, do you have to teach or did you have to teach your kids to be good or to be bad? Some of you are like, my kids were perfect. I'm like, lies. <laughs> okay. No one had to teach my kid to be selfish. They knew that. 
right? They knew that. Now, my kids also do great things, and, you know, that's because we're amazing parents. Uh, <laughs> but, like, no one had to teach my child to lie, right? Right from the get-go, I was like, did you do this? No. It's like, did anyone teach them that? No. They're like, well, they learned from television. They didn't watch any television. They knew intrinsically how to lie. They knew it. It's like, yeah, but they're perfect. Like, I know you love your kid, but you're, no one taught your kid how to lie, right? <laughs> I knew that from the womb. I came out ready to rock, right? <laughs> like, ready to be selfish. Mine, like, first couple words, I guarantee you, mine. I want this. This is, right? No one had to teach me that. I had to learn self-control, right? <laughs> Do you have to unpotty train or potty train your children, right? Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you got to teach them control, right? Self-control. So we were born unclean. We were born with a sin nature. Okay, second question, was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. Jesus was the pure and perfect spotless lamb. And so the clean had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean. See, God is giving them a principle, right? A God principle to teach them something. And it's 4,000 years old at this point, but it still applies right now. And here's the broader spiritual principle, is that Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus is God's tithe. And you give the tithe first. You don't pay bills and see if there's something left. Principle with the idea of tithe is that you give the first 10%. That takes faith. God says, when your sheep, when your flock gives birth to the lamb, give the first one. That takes faith. Why? Because you don't know if it's going to have any more. Right? Like, when you actually, like, engage, I don't know if you've ever, like, been around flocks of sheep or, like, any kind of barn. Like, nature is brutal, right? It is difficult. It promises nothing. It, it is hard. Raising animals is tough. So you don't know if something else is coming. And if that's your source of, I don't know, life, food, money, it's a big thing. See, it's not about the, the, the fact of giving or not giving or all this. It's about the first He's not saying have 10 sheep, and then if you make enough money with the nine, and you can spare the tenth, give that. He says give the first one. Why? Because the 10% is important. That's true. But it doesn't enact the blessing. Faith enacts the blessing in our life. See, God gave Jesus first. Right? God loved us first. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for, that, for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is amazing. God gave Jesus while we were still in complete rebellion to him. He wasn't like, man, if you really like fixed up your act, then I'll send Jesus to die for you. If you would just get it together, then I'll send Jesus for you. He sent Jesus to die while we were still in addiction, in brokenness, in rebellion, in suffering, right? And while we mocked him, spit on him, beat him, crucified him. That's what God sent Jesus into. It wasn't like, well, if a million people choose to love me, and prove it to me, then I'll send him, right? He sent him, and, and thank the Lord, right? He sent him first. Because there's nothing I could have done to deserve God to send him, but he sends him first. And that's why 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. 
God loved first. God gave first. And did you know that is a step of faith to say, listen, I'm going to give in the faith that the children, my children that I long to come to me, will receive in faith Jesus Christ. And will receive in faith hope for the future and healing for the past. That will receive in faith what I have. But I'm not going to wait for them to say they're going to receive. I'm going to give first. 1 Peter 1.18 says this. It says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are all believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. See, Jesus was the spotless lamb, clean, who died for a donkey like me who's unclean. Right? The clean was sacrificed to redeem the unclean. God gave Jesus in faith before we ever chose to love him. And so we also give our tithe in faith. Amen? See, redemption is such an important concept. Man, when you read Old Testament and New Testament, you know what the theme is? Redemption. God is constantly restoring his covenant with his people. He is constantly seeking their redemption. We have been redeemed but there's other redeeming that occurs. When Israel uh, comes into the promised land, they've been wandering the desert for 40 years because they chose not to walk in faith. They chose to uh, walk by sight and say, no, I don't think we can do that. So they're, they're wandering the desert for 40 years. They come into the promised land, and they encounter Jericho. And Jericho is this massive city. God says, listen, you're going to take Jericho. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk around it for a while. Then it's going to fall down, and then you're going to go in, and you're going to win. They were like... Okay, sure, <laughs> right? Like, just make, a, just play a lot of music. Alec, you know, get your guitar. Let's go around it seven times. It's going to fall down, and you're going to win. And they were like, oh, okay. But importantly, this was the first city they encountered. Remember, desert for 40 years. How much gold do you think is in that desert? None, right? Jericho, rich, amazing, powerful city. But you'd have to think when you're looking at it as a soldier, you're like, I might get stabbed, Right? I'm going to go in there. There's going to be a lot of fighting, probably some stabbing, probably some more fighting, probably some more stabbing, maybe some rock throwing, right? It's scary. But God gives them a very clear principle to go take this first city. He says to them very clearly in Joshua 6, 18, he says, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, meaning the things of that city. He said, this city is devoted to destruction. It says, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. He said, but all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. The word holy means to be set apart to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So in Joshua 6, God says, listen, the first city that you take, bring everything into the storehouse of God. Well, why wouldn't he say bring 10%? Well, it's because this was the first. This was the 10%. He's saying Jericho is to be brought in in its entirety to redeem the rest. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. 
You don't know what other cities are left. You don't know if like, you know, the 12 tribes again are going to mess up. You're going back in the desert for another 40 years. You don't know. But you have to trust God that he will provide. And so he says, bring in everything. Because it's going to say something about your heart if you don't bring everything in. And God is constantly trying to get the hearts of Israel to be about him. To be for him. This is important. The first portion is the redemptive portion. When you give God the first, the principle here, is that the rest is redeemed. And I'm not saying, and he's not saying money is evil, but Scripture tells us, right, the love of money is the root of all evil, that my heart would be so devoted to the gold of Jericho that I couldn't even imagine giving it to God. That means you worship it. But he's saying, give it. Last week I said, don't give the first to Visa, MasterCard, Amazon, because they can't bless your finances. The first portion goes to God. But not only is it the first, but secondly, the first fruits must be offered. I'm going to explain first fruits in a second. That's an important phrase. The first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I love this principle. It's all throughout Scripture, and it's actually in nature. If you— uh, if you're going to grow something in nature, and you get, like, let's say a tomato plant, and you get the first tomatoes on a plant, if you let those, like, grow and grow and grow and grow forever, then you actually won't get as good of a yield on the rest of the plant. But if you clip those, right, you don't let them get, like, constantly abounding. You clip that, your plant will actually fruit better. If you prune it, it'll fruit better. So you got to give up the first part, trusting that you'll get more. But even greater than that, it's a spiritual principle. That we would bring in the first and trust God with the rest. Exodus 23, 19 says this. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And then he says, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. I'll explain that later. Uh, <laughs> not important for this message, but first, first fruits that you would bring in. I love it. It's not only the first fruits, it's the first of the first fruits. And he says, bring them into the house of God. Uh, last week we did, we talked about the tithe, and I mentioned Malachi, obviously a big scripture on tithing, and he talks about, in Malachi, talks about bring your tithes into the storehouse. Bring your tithes into the house of God. And we say the house of God, that's the church. And I know sometimes it's very in vogue to say the church is not a building. Very true. The church is the people of God, and yet we occupy a physical space. I mean, I do. Currently, I'm occupying a physical space, right? You're occupying a physical space. And so when we gather together, we gather together in a physical space. And the housing of that physical space of the body of believers is called the church, right? So true, the church is not a body of believers, and yet when we gather the place we gather, whether it look like a home, whether it look like a massive mega building, whether it look like a building like this, whether it look like a school, that, that is our gathering place. That's the church. You with me? So he says, bring it into the house of God, wherever his house. But interesting, I love the word bring. Why does he say bring instead of give? Why don't we give our tithes, right? Why is it not giving? It's tithing, right? I mean, you can give, but why do you not give your tithe? You give generously, but you bring your tithe. Well, because you cannot give what is not yours. This is so important. According to Scripture, you can 
bring your tithe or you can steal it. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And if it belongs to somebody else, you can't give it. It would be weird if you rolled up in my car and said, here, I'm giving you your car. I'm giving you a car. I'd be like, well, it's mine. <laughs> like, it's my, it's my, it, it was mine. I mean, that's, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for bringing it to me. But uh, it belonged to me. It's the same thing with our tithe. We are not giving it to God. We are bringing it to him. We are bringing it back to him. Are you with me still? Okay. And so our choice is that we can bring it or we can steal it. You're like, I don't think that's our only two choices. Trust me, it's, it's my job to do this. You can, according to the Word of God, which if you're not a believer, that's fine. If you're a believer here and you say, I follow Christ, I follow the Lord, then according to the Word that you profess in your life, you can bring it or you can steal it. In the book of, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, Israel takes Jericho. Remember I said they marched around, they played their music, and then it fell down, and then they went in, and they, and they took it. And God says, bring, bring, bring all the silver and gold. But some didn't bring it. And so Achan kept some of it hidden in his tent. And he's like, I earned this, right? Do you know how long it's been since I got a good paycheck? You know how long I've been on unemployment? You know how long it's been since I got a steady job? And we finally got it. We finally got the city. I work for this, homie. Like, I went in. I had a sword and, like, half a shield because we've been in the desert. Not a lot of wood in the desert. But I got enough, like, palm trees to make a shield and to go in. And I, got, and I, I did the marching. And I got the, the sticks thrown at me and the stones thrown at me and whatever. And I did the singing. Not a big singer, but I did it anyways. I know that real men lead in worship. So I went out. And I worshiped around the around the structure of the city and I did my thing and I went in and I got paid I got paid. I got mine, right? I woke up got the bread. I'm ready to go That's what he said so he keeps it now, Obviously Aiken didn't say that but that's what we say But he keeps it He keeps it for himself And so God says Israel has sinned they have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They've taken some of the devoted things, the set-apart things, the holy things, so they have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. See, we have to bring it in because it's consecrated and devoted to God. But Achan said, no, 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 I want it. It's me. I did the work for it. It's mine. See what that says about our heart. So God says, okay, good. The next battle is all you guys. So they went, I kid you not, from defeating one of the greatest uh, ancient structures by literally song and dance to getting destroyed by a ragtag group of farmers. <laughs> and then they came back, they're like, what? Like we were, we literally like roasted this city with acoustic guitar and now <laughs> like we lost Mikhail and everybody to like pitchforks. People died. Why? Because they stepped out of the principles of God. He said, bring it in. And, the, and someone said, no, I think I will hide it. I think I'll hide it in my wallet. I think I'll hide it in my bank account. I think I'll hide it in my house. And God says, fine, but biblically it's stolen. You might say, well, you don't know my finances. That's true. That's actually none of my business. That's your business. But I could, I just want to ask the question, 
if your finances are, are, are having a hard time, why then would you put something cursed in your bank account? If you're saying, man, my finances are rough, I've been having a hard time financially, I'm struggling, why would you want to put something in your bank account that has problems? That'd be like saying, listen, I'm having a lot of family problems, it's been crazy in my house, so what I did is I found this rabid dog, and I'm just going to let it run wild in my home, and that's going to build us together. You'd be like, no, that's crazy. I would want something cursed in my home, right? It's going to release a rabid panther into my house and hope that it brings us together. Same thing is true. If I'm already having financial trouble, why would I want something cursed even close to my bank account, even close to my home? I want to get under principle with the Lord. See, this whole series is about the heart. It's about faith. And the question is, in whom have you put your faith? Because it does take faith to believe that 90% redeemed is better than 100% without. Right? 90% blessed is better than 100% with a rabid dog. And again, these are not conditions of salvation. Right? You can't earn yourself into heaven by tithing, right? It's not like you are saved by grace, you're saved by faith 100%. But I will say that these are boisterous indications of your faith. Where you put your money shouts from the rooftops the, the condition and location of your heart, according to the Word of God. Have you guys ever heard of Cain and Abel? Okay, first, uh, first brothers, maybe you haven't heard of them. Let me give you a little quick summary. First brothers, right, born to Adam and Eve. First murder in history. First law and order, SVU. Uh, <laughs> Cain and Abel. And a very interesting story because Cain kills his brother. And on the surface, you see, okay, God accepts Abel's offering, but he doesn't accept Cain's. And you think, that's interesting. Like, why would he accept the steak and not the vegetables? Is God anti-vegan? Right? He's like, I don't want to see the aroma of Brussels sprouts coming up to heaven. I reject that. You're out. Amen. Come on, some of you guys. You come home, and you're like, what are you cooking in here? Death? And it's like, oh, no, it's Brussels sprouts. You're like, man, these better taste good. And they do. Um, but it's like, is God anti-vegan? He's like, if you bring tofu before me, I will cast thine out into the abyss. Right? <laughs> no, it, it's about the heart, right? Let me read to you Genesis 4. Here's what it says. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, meaning, you know, they made babies. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And it says in verse 3, something kind of interesting. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. So it says something kind of specific here, in the course of time, meaning after a certain time had passed, right? They're trying to say, you know, time is gone after a certain time has passed. But specifically, in the course of time is really meant to say, like, at the end of the season, at the end of the days. So what this is saying is at the end of the season, uh, Cain came and he brought some of his harvest before the Lord. But it says something about Abel that's different. It says in verse 4, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd. 
But I think the principle that we see here is that Cain did not bring the first. He brought the end. And Abel brought the first. It very clearly says, Abel brought the first. And God says, yes, this is the offering that I will receive. I will receive this, but I will not receive this. And the question is, why not? Why would God not accept that? If he's bringing an offering, shouldn't God be like, yes, thank you for bringing an offering? Well, because it's not that God's being petty, and it's not that God wouldn't accept it. It's that God couldn't accept it. Okay. <laughs> These are the theology moments I have to very carefully tiptoe, like, through. Um, I, I hope you guys know that I spend a lot of time making sure I'm saying the right words here at church because, I mean, it's my job, for one. Uh, <laughs> but also, this matters. So, so go with me here, just for two seconds, on, on a little, little journey. <laughs> there are some things God cannot do. You're like, what? No, there's nothing that God can't do. We sing a song about it, Pastor. Like, yes, yes, in your life, there's nothing that God cannot do. Uh, but there are some things that God cannot do in the sense of his identity and his character. So God cannot violate, he cannot go outside himself, he cannot violate his own character. So people be like, can God lift a boulder so heavy, that, make a boulder so heavy he can't lift it? That's like that you took one philosophy class, and you're like trying to come in in the heater in, in small group, right? Uh, but the question here is, God cannot, or the, the statement, or the idea here is that God cannot contradict his own character. God cannot be anti himself. God has character, and he can't, so like God is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful, right? So there's things he cannot do, right? God is all-powerful. He cannot be not all-powerful. It'd be against his character. Are you with me? Okay, good. See, if someone was online and they checked out, like, right when we started, they'd be like, I knew it was heresy. So what happens when you wear a shirt like that, you have tattoos? I knew. I knew it! <laughs> I knew it's one of those churches. Uh, too many beards. <laughs> but there's things that God cannot do. Let me give you a couple, and why this applies. God cannot change. God can't change. That's called the immutability of God. God can't change. If God could change, then he could improve, but God is perfect, so God cannot change or get better with time. God's not, God's not a fine wine in the cellar, right? God is perfect now. He's good now. He's good all the time. Second thing is that God can't think the way that we think. God can think, but he doesn't think like us. Why? Because like we think to figure stuff out, right? We think about, I gotta think through my day. God knows your day. In fact, nothing will, like, surprise God, right? It's not like you did a sin, and God's like, whoo okay, Gary, Tuesday, bringing in something we've never seen. Let's figure out how we're going to redeem that, right? It's not a surprise for him. He's not up with the angels, like, have you guys seen what Gary did on Tuesday? Like, it, this has never occurred to me, right? Nothing occurs to God. Nothing dawns on him. Nothing sneaks up. He's like, you know what I haven't thought about before? Nothing. I've thought about everything before because he doesn't think to figure things out, right? That's why Isaiah 55 can say, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. And third, God cannot be second. This is called the preeminence of God. God is first of all. He is before all. He is above all. He is greater than all. We like to say, like, I'm putting God first, right? I mean, we'll pray at the end of the day, end of today. I'm going to put God first. And that's awesome. But even if you don't, guess what? He's still first. 
by the very character and nature of who God is. Whether you acknowledge him as first in the, in the universe, he is first of all, above all, greater than all. God is first. He cannot be second. God is always first. So the question is, why did God not accept Cain's offering? Is it an anti-vegan stance? No. It's because Cain did not bring a first offering. And God, by his very nature, cannot be second. So if he accepts a second offering, well, he literally can't. Let me give you another example. If you bring me a pizza and tell me it's cake, I'm going to say, no, it's not. You're going to say, but I call it cake. I'm like, by its very nature, it's pizza. I have eaten enough pizza to know what pizza looks like. I've eaten it in Chicago, I've eaten it on the East Coast, right? I've eaten it in Thailand, right? Like, I've eaten it everywhere. And guess what? It's pretty much kind of the same, and I know what it looks like. So if you tell me it's cake, I'm going to be like, by its very nature, it is not cake. I know what it is. By God's very nature, he is not second. So when you bring an offering, it cannot be second. Or else it's not really an offering. No matter what you call it, like, this is cake. God's like, no, it's second. It's not an offering. By its very nature. And that principle applies to our heart. It applies to tithing. Last week I said, I said, look, tithing might be a little more personal to Jesus than we'd like to admit because it is caring for the bride of Christ. And if it's caring for the bride of Christ, I think Jesus might take it a little more seriously than we do. But this week I, I got to say, if Jesus was God's tithe, then he gave it first. And to really give an offering, to really release the blessed portion and the redemptive portion is to give it first. I think, man, if, if Jesus is really God's tithe, it might be more personal to God than we'd like to admit. See, since the beginning of time, Genesis 4, I mean, that's early in the book, y'all. Genesis 4, 4. Tithing represents who is first in your life. Since the beginning, tithing represents who's first. It's true of all creation since the beginning. Sometimes it gets to us, though, and in the chaos of life, we go, well, that's not really true for me. I can give it second. God will forgive me. Like, it's true, but it still doesn't make it cake. It's still pizza. It's still second. So you could say God's first, but your bank account is really going to say who's first. And if we were to like look at your bank account and say who's first, it might be like the NFL shop, which is cool. I'm about it. <laughs> it's a good thing, right? It might say the NFL shop's first. It might say the clubs are first. I mean, support local business in a sense. Uh, <laughs> it might say the Amazon's first. But you need to ask yourself, and just be honest in a healthy way, where does the first 10% go? Because... That's who's first in my life. This is my third point. Ben, you guys can actually come up. The tithe must be first by its very nature. Leviticus 27 says, Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. That's important. The tithe is holy. It is set apart. It belongs to God. And since it belongs to God, if we keep it, we're stealing it. Swipe or no swiping. All right? If it belongs to someone else and you keep it, it's called stealing. God owns it. And so when we tithe, we are returning it to him. But listen, if we're going to return it, it's got to be first. 
It's got to be first. Let me give you an example. Uh, if I were to have one of you, let's see, who would I, who would I have to do this? I'm going to pick Alfredo. If I'm going to have Alfredo, uh, you know, you're here. He served at Love the Block. I, I just love this guy. He's amazing. Um, we served at Love the Block together. It was dope. He's just, you know, lead, praying over people. It's awesome. But if I hired Alfredo, I was like, listen, man, uh, I'm going to pay you to, to do a job for me. Uh, what kind of job do you think it would be if I was going to pay you to do a job? Sales. Okay, perfect. You're going to build me like a sales system, right? And so I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to pay you uh, to go do a sales job. And like with it, you're going to have your expenses, right? You're going to have travel expenses. You might hire a second guy. So you got his expenses. You're going to put all that into the contract, into the bid, all that kind of stuff. And then hopefully, because you're a really smart guy, uh, you're going to put profit in because like you have your own bills to pay, right? You're going to put in like, hopefully like you make some good money. And so let's say you work in there like, thousand dollars profit right like you're I mean you're talented you deserve it um and so you do the job you come back to me we cover your expenses we cover your labor maybe you know you got Trey to do some work and so you know we gotta pay him too we cover him cover all that and so you have a profit you have an increase of a thousand dollars the tithe always comes from the increase right the tithe comes from the increase so you got an increase of a thousand dollars and let's say I went to the bank and the, you know I know nobody uses cash anymore apparently um, I found it out the hard way during COVID uh, but let's say I'm gonna pay you the thousand dollars in hundred dollar bills and so I go to the bank and I get these like crisp crisp hundred dollar bills they look good they got the serial number on it um, I've never done this in my life but let's say I do that and I give you ten hundred dollar bills right one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You made a good profit. Which one is the tithe? The first one that leaves your hand is the tithe, right? The first one you give is the tithe. So if you go home with your hundred dollars and you're like, I gotta put some here, I gotta hide some more here, I gotta put it into this, I gotta put it over here, and then you have your leftover and you give it, it's not first. It's not the tithe. Now it could be 10%, but it's not the tithe, it's not first. Because remember, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. We're so hung up. And honestly, churches have done not a super great job of stewarding money. So I understand why we get hung up. And I feel like I'm more than willing to like always point that out. There's hangups here. But it's important that for, for me and my heart and trusting the Lord, I'm going to say, listen, I'm going to give the first. I'm going to give the, I'm going to give the first. We talked last week about how we steward that and how serious that is. But I'm going to give the first, the first one that leaves my hand is the tithe. But some of us, we go home and we set some here and we set some here and then we bring God the leftovers. Could you imagine a relationship that went that way? Could you imagine a relationship where you were like, I love you. You know, you get this awesome girl, like, I love you, babe, you're the best. And you're like, I just want to bless you. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I worked really hard this week, so I'm going to go out. I'm going to get some dinner. You're like, oh, I'm not coming. No, no, no. But don't worry. If there's leftover, I'll bring it back for you. You can have the leftovers. I love you so much. You've changed my life. Here's half of a burger from cold beers and cheeseburgers. <laughs> Be blessed. You'd be like, this isn't really the relationship I wanted right? There's something that the first says that leftovers will never say. Amen? There's something that the first speaks about our heart and about our care. God does not want your leftovers. He wants your heart. God wants your heart. God gave his son for you because he wants your heart.
Malachi says, you bring the, the blame and the lime offering, lame offering. You bring the last, you bring the leftovers. God says, but I don't accept it because I can only accept the first. You know, in our life, we, we get paid every two weeks. Kind of always has gotten paid every two weeks. Um, matter the job we're doing and so uh it automatically comes out we go online and we tithe and now we automate everything because well now that i'm doing a budget for a church can i tell you man when people automate their giving we can actually plan what we're doing and how we impact the community it is life-changing uh thank you automated giving and everyone who automates your giving you are a blessing um but we go online and we do that we automate it and we go through that but what would happen right it's, it's that first hundred dollar bill what happens if katie goes to the store because it takes push pay a minute what if katie goes to the store and she buys some groceries before that that money comes out i like go home like katie you have cursed us, right? We're living, take it all back now. Uh, everything but the Oreos. Take everything else back immediately because we are living under a curse, right? We are cursed. No, like you gotta redeem it. Go find a donkey, we're gonna kill it, right? No, no, because it's not about legalism, it's about the heart, right? This is not to enslave us to legalism or a legalistic principle. This is to enrich us with a heart principle. And the heart principle is where is your heart? God wants your heart. Where is it? First 10% goes to the house of God. And I love how Exodus 13 uh, clarifies this statement in like this really beautiful teaching moment. I'm going to just kind of read you from verse 13. Exodus 13, 13 together here. It says, every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you do not redeem it, you shall break its neck. It's redemption or death. Every firstborn of a man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your sons ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand and the frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. I love this principle. He's saying, listen, someday your son is going to go, hey, um, <laughs> I kind of noticed we kill a lot of sheep and our thing is sheep. And so it seems odd that when we get the firstborn, which is usually a big win, we kill it. And I was just kind of thinking, what if we didn't do that and we sold them and we kept the money? Because I don't know if you knew this, not a lot of money in farming. It says, when your son asks, hey, why are you doing this? Like, why? Why are you sacrificing to redeem sons, to redeem donkeys? You're going to say to him, listen, everything that you see here, we were not always farmers. We were not always shepherds in this place. We didn't have this land. We didn't have this home. Not only that, we were not free. We were slaves. We were in bondage. We were in slavery. But he says, but God with a mighty hand delivered us out of slavery. And so everything you see now is because of the redemptive work of the Lord. So we gladly sacrifice to the Lord because he redeemed us and he restored us. And so I will give to God the first of my increase. That's a 4,000-year-old principle, but it still applies today. 
Someday my daughter is going to see us giving, and I wonder if she's going to think, hey, why? you could buy a lot of Barbies with that money. Not that many, Lucy, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> you could buy a Barbie. Um, you could buy, you know, a lot of Barbies with that. You know, we could really do something with that money. We could buy like a vacation place or something. I don't know. Uh, why are you guys giving that? Why are you giving that money away? And I, as a father, I get to teach. I get to teach her. I get to say, listen, you see this? You see this place? You see your mom and your dad? You see how we lead spiritually? I was not always a pastor. Not only that, I wasn't always free. I was a slave. I was a slave to sin. And I was a slave to the world. And I lived in bondage to sin. But God, with a mighty hand, rescued me out of my slavery and redeemed me and he brought me to the place that I am now and everything that you see here the increase you see here is because of the Lord and so I will gladly give to him a sacrifice a tithe of the increase because he gave his son for me he gave his life that I might be redeemed he's given everything and so I don't force not because of guilt not because I feel like I have to but I will gladly give of the increase to the God who has given me everything, to the God who has rescued me. See, this is not about force. This is not about guilt. This is not about legalism. This is about love. God's given everything to me. God's given his son to me. So in faith, I will give the first to him. In faith, I will respond to him. It's about the heart. Today, is God first in your life? And if you look at your heart and you look at where it's placed, where your money is, your heart will be. Is he first? Is he first in your life? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you as we close. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? It just gives us a moment to focus together as we end, before we enter a time of worship. I pray two things for you today. One is a very simple prayer. It's simple, but not always easy. But it's the prayer to ask God to be first in our life. It's the prayer that says, God, would you give me the strength and the faith to put you above all things in all things? Right? It's the prayer that says, God, be first in my life. I want to come into principle with you, and I want you to be first. I want you to be first in my life. Give me the strength and the faith to put you above all things. I want to pray for you today. If that's you and you're saying, God, I, I want you to be first in my life. Maybe it's a commitment, a recommitment. Maybe it's just a recognition today. Maybe it's just standing in confidence and affirmation of a principle you're already living out. But you're saying, God, be first in my life. Give me the strength. Give me the faith to put you above all things in all things. If that's you, would you just lift your hands? I want to pray with you today, and I want to agree with you this morning. God, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that if anyone is in you, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, that your mercies are renewed every day, that in you, Jesus, there is hope for every future and healing for every past. And God, we thank you that when we put you first, that that redemptive portion redeems the rest, and that when we are under principle, the blessing of that relationship is good in our lives. And so we ask today, give us the strength and the faith to put you above 
above all things in all things. Give us the strength and the faith to put you first in our finances. Give us the strength and faith to walk out the biblical principle that you have commanded in our life that we can testify to the generations and generations that because of your great love, we now gladly respond to you through giving the first. You, We love because you first loved us. Build our faith by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning in your holy name. The second thing this morning, just every eye closed, every head bowed. I didn't pray for this in the first service, but I'm just feeling led today. Again, this is not a moment of judgment, and no one's looking at you. Their eyes are closed, their head are down. But you're saying today that I need a financial miracle. As we've been walk, talking about being in principle and walking in principle, you're saying, I, I, I want to begin, I want to step out in faith, but man, I got some scary financial things happening in my life. And as I'm sitting here, I'm like, God, I want to step out in faith, but I'm even a little scared because I, I need a miracle. I need a bill paid. I need breakthrough financially and something. I need a job, something in your life today. I want to pray for you. No one's looking at you. This is you and the Lord. If you're here today and you're saying, I need a financial miracle, would you just lift your hand with me? and I want to pray for you today. You're saying, I need a financial miracle today. And just leave it up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Every eyes closed. This is you and the Lord. We pray together and we affirm together this prayer over your life. And if after I'm done praying and we're done worshiping, our prayer team is going to be up here. We'd love to pray with you, pray over you, and we believe God's going to do a miracle. But let me pray today. God, you see these hands right now. And in the name of Jesus, we pray a financial miracle. We pray a financial victory by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, where there is provision, we pray, bring provision. God, I pray even though it might be scary, God, I pray that as these people right here step into principle and continue to walk in principle with you, that under that covering of walking in principle with Jesus Christ, that there would be blessing upon their life and upon their finances. I pray that you would bring increase. I pray that you would bring clarity. I pray that you would bring opportunity as we walk in obedience to you most high God. And God, in those moments where our faith is coming up and crashing against our experience and what's happening, God, we pray that you would strengthen our faith and bring a miracle in the lives right now. We pray victory in the name of Jesus. Where Jesus is, there is victory. Where you are, there is victory. And we declare financial victory in the name of Jesus over this church today. 